Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, Notre Dame fans, whatever time of the day that you are tuning in to this week's Mike Goolsby Show. Just thankful that you guys are making us a part of your day. I'm Mike Singer, uh, recruiting guy and uh, YouTube guy here at Bloom Gold, and joined by the former Notre Dame linebacker captain himself, Mike Goolsby. Mike, the setup, every time I see you, bro, the setup just keeps looking better and better, man. It's uh, a yeah. big-time production we finally got going on, man. Hey, man, it's a big-time program, Mike. It's a big-time program, and, yeah, just trying to put a better product out there, dude. I'm still figuring out the um, the acoustics in the room. I got some, uh, like, an hour ago, finally I got these Amazon sound panel things I'm mm. working with. Well, I've yet to get them all up, but they're thrown thrown about the room. So hopefully, hopefully the audio gets better and better as well. So, yeah, man, happy to be here. I feel like I haven't seen you in a minute, dude. I know. I feel like we got a good bit, good bit to catch up on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we're going to talk uh, Notre Dame quarterback situation. I think Goolsby, you built even more of a brand for yourself than you already had with your with your quarterback takes in 2023. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what you've got for us in 2024. Uh, we're going to talk about what about a dozen or so guys uh, that are in a make or break season. And then we're just kind of going to kind of go inside the mind of Mike, whatever else Mike Goolsby has on his mind um, in the world of Notre Dame football, recruiting, whatever is on Mike's mind. So inside the mind of Mike TM pending. Um, so uh, like we'll, always, like, we'll always mention folks, please hit the thumbs up on this video. Subscribe to our YouTube channel for more content. Go to blueandgold.com. Your home for Notre Dame football and recruiting coverage and our offer um, for our YouTube audience and podcast audience is $1 for two months using the promo code UND1. So if you're a new subscriber, you have not signed up for Blue and Gold before our website, use the promo code UND1. It's just a buck for two months. And uh, please follow Mike uh, Goolsby on Twitter um, at MikeGoolsby41. He's got his Patreon link in his uh, Twitter bio so you can check out the awesome work that he does with John Kennedy, which I had to cancel last week's show for this and me hopping on your show with John. So we're going to need to reschedule that. Um, so have your people talk to my people, Mike. We got um, time, brother. Love that. Yeah, it's it's always fun to get a group together. So yeah, we'll, fi- we'll figure it out. So yeah, Mike, 
let's just talk quarterbacks, man. I'm going to pull up your notes because uh, you did have a, a good bit that you want to discuss kind of with, with the guys you're at with the quarterback position, uh, whether it's Carr and Jelly. Um, and uh, I know you're a big Kenny Minchie guy. Well, just the, it's just the, it's just it's the off season for one, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of the discourse surrounding the quarterback, it's always just interesting to look at look at how things how people perceive things, the way people's minds work, et cetera. So, you know, Riley Leonard is your presumed starter. Okay, there's there's a significant amount of nil cash involved. He's got a nice little resume. He's got a very high ceiling, et cetera. Um, but then beyond Riley Leonard, it's kind of up in the air, dude. And it's like, Angeli is your presumed number two. Everybody's excited about CJ Carr. And fans are only going to get more excited about CJ when they get to see him at the microphone, be interviewed, et cetera. Like Notre Dame fans are just going to eat that kid up. I mean, they're going to be a big, big fan. Similar in the way that like, people were with Sam Hartman. Like I really can foresee very easily fans falling in love with CJ and it's a good thing, but then there's Kenny Minchie who tends to, for lack of a better expression, kind of gets swept under the rug, Mike. And it's like, well, I hope Kenny doesn't transfer. It's never, I hope CJ doesn't transfer. It's never, I hope Steve Angeli doesn't transfer. It's like presume that Kenny's going to kind of be the odd man out. Would you agree with that overall assessment, Mike, that that's the way most fans tend to look at this? Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, Minchie does not get talked about very much. No. And John and I went in you know, in depth into this in the Patreon, just trying to you know figure out how people's minds work, why they think the things that they think, why they assume the things they assume. And it's like, you know, you're the recruiting guy. When Kenny was you know, offered and then committed. I mean, it was at the 11th hour, right, Mike? I mean, it felt like it was the last month or so of recruiting season. Yeah. When he committed to Notre Dame, it was like a a month before National Signing Day. And it was not really known that much publicly before, like maybe a week before is when people kind of found out that Notre Dame was recruiting him. He took an official visit. Um, and then I think it was the Boston College game. And then a week, maybe two, two, three days later or so, a week later, he, he committed. So, um, yeah, there wasn't a whole lot of time for, for Notre Dame fans to kind of like, you know, for the lack yes. of us fall in love with the player. Whereas CJ Carr, it was Notre Dame offered him what, two, two, three years ago? He's been committed for yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So it's like, it's 90 day fiance with Kenny Minchie. It's like 30 day fiance with Kenny Minchie. And it's like, you know, there's a two, three year courtship with CJ Carr, the coaches, the Notre Dame fan base, whatever. So I think it's like, and then on top of that, you've never really seen Kenny play. And then you could make the same argument for Steve. I mean, save for the bowl game and any like garbage time that he had prior to. And then of course, everybody's, uh, drooling over CJ Carr. So that was just, I was just up one night thinking about that. And then I started getting into some tape, okay. you know, watching some CJ tape. And I think it's important to remember that C, um, Kenny Minchie's late commitment, late signing, late recruitment, et cetera, all hinged off of that Dante Moore debacle, right? Correct. Yeah, where he had a silent commit and then he kind of like left us. And, I, you know, he's on his, what, third school now? 
And then it's like, you know, Kenny Minchie's film looks eerily similar, similar to Dante Moore. And I never got the impression that Kenny, Kenny played the recruiting game, Mike, and you know about this. I don't sure. think that Kenny really was interested in the recruiting process, playing the game as much as Dante was. Kenny was a super high recruited kid, top 10 quarterback, you know, again, very similar to a CJ Carr. And then it's just, again, like I get into the tape. I like Kenny's tape. I like CJ's tape. All I'm trying to say, folks, is just don't, don't, don't write off Kenny Minchie going into the spring and, and this is this is where I'm, the studio is coming along together, Mike. I'm still working on my tinfoil hat, right? I've yet to yeah, put yeah. that together. But this is my tinfoil hat thing here. Den Brock, our new OC, did not recruit Steve Angeli, did not recruit Kenny Menchie. Beyond that, furthermore, he did not recruit CJ Carr. So I, I I don't believe that Denbrock goes into this spring with any sort of assumptions. It should be a, a clean slate for all of them. On top of that, it's a new offense, whereas Parker was kind of, you know, just picked up where Coach Leaf, Leaf excuse me, where Coach Reese had left off. Yeah, sorry. Um, so there's that, and then it's like, again the tinfoil hat thing. You got to look a year or two into the future. Coach Denbrock will have recruited Deuce Knight. Technically speaking, he will build a relationship with Deuce Knight over the next 12, 16 months. Mm-hmm. So it's like Deuce is a stud, Mike. I mean, we we know this. I mean, he could be like first pick overall type potential just in terms of like the athlete that he is and the ceiling that he has, the projectables. And it's like if CJ Carr were to become your starter, that kind of gets a little bit of messy with Deuce down the road where it's like if Kenny was your starter, say, next season, not 2024, 2025, if Kenny's your starter in terms of years of eligibility, et cetera, it makes it an easier transition into a deuce night versus, you know, Kenny gets lost in the shuffle, he transfers out, et cetera, CJ Carr starts in like 2025, and then he's got, what, three, four years of eligibility left. How are you going to squeeze deuce in? How are you going to work deuce in? Does that make sense? That 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 argument I'm trying yeah. to build here. I think the yeah, when you have it in back to back years, car twenty four, night twenty five, it's 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 probably a one or the other thing in terms of who's going to be the guy at Notre Dame. Um, usually, it's going to go. You're going to skip a couple classes, right? Um, mm-hmm. b- between starters, so knock on wood, Leonard's the guy at twenty twenty four. Um, and starts the entire season, no injuries against what we're knocking on wood. Sure. So you're thinking, what, 25, 26 Minchie, and then what, two or three years of Deuce Knight? Is that what you're thinking? Something that's like that? Kind of what that's kind of what I'm thinking, versus if CJ won the job in 2025, you're going to have CJ, I mean, for three, four years, right? And right. then is Deuce – Deuce is a type of talent, and he, you know, and Deuce is another one of those kids that's really going to probably need some game reps to to continue to fully develop and learn how to process, et cetera. So it's just, and when I think about, you know, who is that number two? Who's even the number three? 
Denbrock coming in. He's not familiar with Steve, Kenny, and or CJ for that matter. Deuce would kind of be Denbrock's guy. You know, Den yeah. Deuce is the guy that most cl closely re resembles like a Jaden Daniels in terms of, you know, Heisman number one offense, whatever. So, I mean, you could draw, you could draw a line between Denbrock wanting Deuce and then trying to sidestep or avoid any quarterback controversy if, if CJ Carr kind of became the guy. So it just all of that to me loosely jumbled together kind of makes sense for Kenny to be the backup and be the successor to Riley Leonard in yeah. 2025. Mike, just so, a thought. Yeah. So when you're, you, you've really come to, I mean, you, you've come to like mention now, but you always have. So you're just watching like senior film, like you're going back to high school, like senior, junior film, all that stuff. It's all I got to work off of, right? Yeah. The ones I, I can say this, Mike, what jump started this thought process in my brain was some, I think it was some clips of the bowl practice. CJ Carr's an early enrollee. He was there for the bowl game. And it was just a little warm up, you know, what you guys are allowed to film at a practice, basically warm ups. And I was just looking at like CJ Carr's release point, and it could have just been a fluky thing. Who knows what type of pass they were throwing? I wasn't there. But I'm just watching that ball come off of CJ's ear. Nice quick release, all that, you know, average arm. I mean, doesn't have a, a rocket arm, accurate. But that release point was super low, and they were side by side. And Kenny's release point was just, like, higher to me. And then I, like, and then, you know, if you let your mind go, bro, it's like, you know, it's like, look at look at all of our offensive line. Look at all of our offensive line recruits. I mean, bro, they're six, seven, six, eight. You know, not all these kids are going to end up being tackles. Some are going to get kicked into guard center, what have you. Um, see, see what I'm talking about? The ball comes out higher. Yeah, look I'm trying that. to I'm trying to come look, at. Look like at that. You can see that. Great. I'm trying work, to just dude. find a find a good angle. Yeah. I mean, maybe. Yeah, I, I as soon as you started talking about that clip, I was like, man, I'm pretty sure we shot that. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah. So you, you got a, you got a, you know, it's just food for thought. That's why I'm here, Mike. It's just food for thought. Yeah. I mean, they're throwing the same ball, the same this to the same guys, same trajectory, whatever, and it's much much higher. So it's just, and then you get into like the spring in general and the competitions across the board doesn't necessarily this isn't exclusive solely to quarterback play we talked about this last spring with Tyler buckner and sam harman what are the criteria for the offensive staff coach gino coach denbrock even freeman like what are they looking for in terms of the metrics what is the criteria what are the rules to the game you know so it's like as these kids go into this competition, how are they being graded? And I would love, I would love, 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 love if we could learn that publicly. You know, this, these are the five to 10 things that these kids are being graded on. Yeah. Physically speaking, Mike, between the three, I mean, I would say Carr. Dude, let me pull up this picture again of CJ Carr because, I mean, he's, he should be in high school right now and he's got the beard. Like, he, it looks like his face is, filled out listed at 6'3 197 all three of them dude i mean he's listed at 6'3 197 
You got Minchie at 6'2", 204, and Angeli 6'2", 206. And they did do away with the the half or three-fourths, I think, in this new roster that they put out. So Angeli is closer to 6'3", than he is 6'2", and I think Minchie is the same. Carr, you know, Carr might be 6'3", and 1'8", and Angeli might be 6'2", and 3'4". I don't know. I, I feel like they're rounding down here. But and regardless, they all look to have pretty good size. Um, mm-hmm. There's no, you know, quarterbacks on this roster right now where each time you talk about them, they, they shrink an inch um, like your, your favorite, um, you know, ex quarterback for the Irish who ended up transferring to Arizona state. But any thoughts on that, Mike, like size wise, they, it seems to be a pretty good looking group. Yeah. The only thought I have, and this is part of the reason I think that fans are excited or were excited and they're kind of glomming on to Steve is in the prior recruiting room, Steve looked like a gosh darn giant out there, you know, at standing six. I mean, he looked, he looked much bigger than he's bigger than Buckner. He was bigger than Hartman, obviously bigger than Pine. He looked like a giant. I have a buddy. I actually had him on the Patreon, a former teammate of mine, Jared Clark, who's down in Florida, just won a high school state championship, played quarterback for the Irish, transferred to tight end, talking a little bit about Denbrock because, you know, he was coached under, under, or by Denbrock. But Jared had seen CJ at one of these passing tournaments, seven on seven type deals. And Jared, who's six four ish, Jared said that CJ looked to be six one. And then you get into like you hear people talk about don't put a lot of stock into the you know the website, like Notre Dame's website in terms of listed heights and weights and stuff like that. So we'll find out. I mean, I'll be I'll be at the spring game. Um and you know, they let us watch a practice or whatever. So, I, I mean, I'm literally going to be running around just trying to stand next to all these kids, quarterbacks, other players, just to kind of gauge how big or small they are, you know? So yeah, that'll, the, that'll play itself out. Yeah. The one, one thing I'll say about the Notre Dame and how they list their guys on the roster, because I've covered a bunch of different schools in my, my time in this business, is Notre Dame usually is closest to being truthful to their right. representation. Maybe that's changing because they did, again, I'm pretty sure they did away with like the halves. I'm going to just pull up their roster. Um, and yeah, like there's, there's no like six, two and a half, six, three, six, three and one fourth. It's just rounded numbers. So I don't know, but might yeah. not be that important. In the grand scheme. It remains to be seen. I mean, I think physical stature obviously matters. Um, you know, for durability. I mean, even even a guy like Riley Leonard, who who's been nicked up from time to time. What is he six four two fifteen? He looks heavier than two fifteen to me. But when you're looking for like a, a projectable starter, you know, I equate at times size, weight with durability. So I mean, if you've got two hundred pound kids running around, might that lead to more injuries? Yeah. Perhaps. You- yeah, you got size and weight for durability, and then just whatever history you have, of yeah. course that 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 plays into it as well. Mike, do, can I can I put you on the spot for something? Do you mind? Please do. How long do you think Denbrock might stay at Notre Dame again, folks? If this if if you are like, how dare you talk about that right now, guys? It's January 29th. What the hell do you want us to talk about? We're trying to have <laughs> some fun here. So, ghouls, I mean, like. 
when Notre Dame hires Harry Heastand, you know it's not forever. You know it's it, 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 it's a, there's a shelf life there. Al Golden comes in. Mike, every damn day on the Loose Emoji message board, people are asking, did Golden sign an extension? Is Golden staying? People, Because pe- people know, like, he wants to go be an NFL DC or a college head coach somewhere. What What's your gauge on Denbrock? Do you think, like, Denbrock, this is, man, I, want, I just want to be at Notre Dame? Um, do you think he might have aspirations to do something else? I don't know, Mike. I'm just curious if you had any thoughts on this. Yeah. I I don't think he's going anywhere. I don't think he's going anywhere. And I'll talk to him at spring. You know, he was at Notre Dame, his first go-around at Notre Dame. Not his second. This is now his third. But his first go-around, I was here. Or I was there. So I'll talk to him at spring. Think he's going anywhere, dude? Based off of some folks that I've talked to, not like in the building, this just general, you know, talk. I don't think he's going anywhere. And it's like, as much as we as fans try to be skeptical and kind of protect our hearts, and like we always expect the worst, you know, as Notre Dame fans, hope for the best, but you kind of expect the worst. I don't think he's going anywhere, man. I mean, he's made a ton of money. Notre Dame's paying him a ton of money. You know, he's getting up there in age, and it's like. The bigger question is, Singer, for all of us watching, is it okay to, like, let yourself believe that a coach came here to win a damn national championship and then he wants to ride off into the sunset? You know, is that okay for us to, like, just let yourself consider that? It's his third time coming back here. You know, he believes in Freeman. The recruiting's on the uptick. I don't see him going anywhere. I really don't. Never been an NFL guy. He could have been a head coach by now. You know, I've been around the guy. He doesn't strike you as a head coach type in terms of like the accompanying ego, et cetera. He's just like, he's a good dude and he's just a ball coach. Um, I think this is a huge blessing for him. I don't see him going anywhere. I don't. I really don't. Can you share any memories you have of, you know, your time playing at Notre Dame and him being there? The thing it was, man, and Jared and I talked about this. It was just like, he's just a good dude. He just, he can, frankly, Mike, unassuming, happy to be there. Not like, not, and that sounds strange to say, like happy to be there, but I think grateful for the opportunity kind of blends in, you know, not like an alpha type, you know, kind of, I mean, Reese, you know, Coach Reese, much more of an alpha type, much more of a curmudgeon. Um, You know, Reese is whatever he is, 32 years old, going on 62 in terms of like, um, filled with piss and vinegar. Denbrock's a guy you saw him laughing a lot, you know, cracking jokes. Just a good dude, man. I don't have any like specific memories, sure. but I can re- I I can just remember him being around, kind of blending in, and um, not a yeller. You know what I'm saying? Not a yeller. Jared talked about that. More of a teacher. So, um. Yeah, I mean, he's got a background with tight ends. He's at tight end U. So, yeah, I don't see him going anywhere, man. Yeah, and and you like that Notre Dame has a dedicated quarterbacks coach and not an OC quarterbacks coach like you have so much across the country. Like, I mean, it that's I would say that's what, 90% of schools, their OC is their quarterbacks coach. Notre Dame doesn't have that again. And, I, yeah, I, I, I like that. And I think Gino does a really good job. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean – this is another fun exercise. Gino, 
talked about this. Gino was actually on his recruiting visit to Notre Dame when I was there. So they linked him up with Matt Lavecchio, who was our quarterback at the time. I think Gino is thrilled to be at Notre Dame. If you look at Gino's bio, that guy was playing like arena two football, ostensibly for free. You know, they don't they don't have insurance for guys that play like arena two football. That's how much Gino loves football. He's willing to go play like arena two risk injury, whatever. So and I think that Riley Leonard has a lot of physical tools, but he's still there's 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 room to grow there at, at the quarterback position. I'm labeling him as an athlete playing quarterback. So it should be a really fun opportunity for Gino to develop Riley. And then going way back into like our initial conversation in terms of, you know, how is this backup, the backup to the backup going to shake out in the quarterback room? It was like, what is what is Coach Denbrock going to look for at the position in terms of like a skill set and, and, and traits? And he's got uh, a really a mixed bag with the existing room. But, you know, Deuce Knight is kind of the picture perfect quarterback for a Mike Denbrock offense. Yeah. Matt Lavecchio comes from one of the best high school That's programs right. producing quarterbacks. This is mean, true. You got Matt Lavecchio, you got um Steve Angeli. I don't know if you guys have, have, have heard of my boy, but um yeah, yeah, good points, Mike. You ready to move into uh make or break time? Yeah, yeah. Do you want me to set this up? I got oh I got you. All right. I, I got the list. I got the list. I gotta pull right. up. Um so what we're basically going to do here is there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I think we got an even 10, Mike, of guys who this is not their first season at Notre Dame. They're in a position where it's like, all right, are you going to become a starter or at least just like a notable contributor for this Fighting Irish team? Or are you going to slide down the depth chart, be one of those spring you know, transfers if, if things don't go well um, in, in March and April. So we're setting the stage right there, Mike. Okay. We're going to go to uh, first Jason Anye, um, you know, 6'5", 286 pounds. Uh, when he was being recruited back in the class of 2020, he was like, all right, is he a DN? Is he an interior guy? Yeah, he he's, he's, a, he's a big boy. Um, three tech all the way, I'm, I'm presuming, Mike. What are your thoughts about Jason on you heading into this season? Again, this is this is going to be his fourth year at Notre Dame. I can remember his film, and I'll try to be brief with these guys. A lot of talk last fall camp about Anya, very vocal, right? Kind of a kind of a goofball, but in a good way at practice, kind of a hype man type thing. Um, and he, you know, he played this year, but he never really like produced. So it's like we're going to hear again about how vocal he is and he flashes at practice. But um, with Rubio now leaving the team, it just really kind of creates a window of opportunity, a bigger window of opportunity for him. And he's got a lot of physical tools. If he's 290 pounds, I played with a guy like this. Daryl Campbell was a big shot recruit, 6'5", 295, six-pack abs, had arms down to his knees. I mean, just a freak show. You know, if you were going to create a player in Madden, it would look something like these two. And it's kind of just a put up or shut up year for him. You know, and then you look at the talent behind him. It's just it's just kind of a make or break year for him. I, you know, you threw out that transfer word, that dirty word transfer. I'm not suggesting that any of these kids are transferring. 
but it's like these kids have to have that inner dialogue over winter conditioning going into spring like dude i gotta i gotta make it happen um that's where i'm at because then again you're gonna lose you're gonna lose mills you're gonna lose cross beyond this year and it seems like it's there's a vacuum there and somebody's got to fill it yeah Moving to the running back position, Jabran Payne. Uh, he's going into his third season at Notre Dame. What are your thoughts on this young man? I mean, he'll probably get passed up, dude. I mean, there's I mean, there's a ton of talent between Price and Love and Kedron Young coming in. You still got you still got four. There's there's just a ton of there's a ton of running backs. There's five that played Payne, Ford, Estime, Price, and Love. So, and then you got two more. So estimates out the door, you got two more coming in. They're not going to play six running backs. And this is, you know, Denbrock's calling the shots now. Nothing really changed from Reese to, to Parker just because of the way that all went down, him just kind of being pushed into that role. And, you know, Payne's kind of your third down back. He's a guy, I don't know what to tell you. You know, he's he's a, a good little player, but if that if that kid I just and I just said we're not talking about transfers, but I don't I don't know what the role is for him going forward just because of you know you got Aeneas Williams coming in and Keedron Young that to me they're they're better players already. So yeah. um he's really gonna have to flash do something during the spring, but it's there's definitely a log jam there. I don't feel like yeah, we we're not here to speculate on guys leaving, but uh, I do think it's it's okay to throw it out there. The transfer portal's there for the players. So, like, if you are not happy in your, your playing time or whatever it is, you can go anywhere. And you, I think, what, Anya, Payne, all these guys, they can leave and play right away. They don't have to wait. The, the, the days of sitting out a year are basically over. Now guys can just get waivers, even if they are undergrads. Um, so that's actually yeah. something interesting though. A lot of guys are leaving, um, after their first season and, and then if they want to leave again before their undergrads, um, we'll see if they get waivers or not, but and if, you, if you just really break it down, cause he was our third down back. Was he that exceptional at third down where it's like, okay, he is our etched in stone third down back for 2024. It's like, okay, well. We're just going to relegate him to this exclusive third down back role. And that means that Price, Love, Ford, freaking Aeneas Williams and Keedron Young are all vying for the other two, three downs. It just, it doesn't, it doesn't compute to me. Yeah. So it's like, you know, Keedron Young at his size, Aeneas Williams being the pass catcher that he is, and he's a thickly built kid already bigger than Payne. It's just, um, It, it doesn't look super promising for me with pain. Yeah, Chris in the chat says, if you know, if Notre Dame were to lose a player like Plain, shows how far the program's come at running back, which it, it you know, it, it really has. Uh, you think oh, sure. you know, Jafar Armstrong a few years ago was like your number one running back, and you know they had to convert him from receiver to running back, if my memory calls me correctly. So, um, yeah, for sure. All right, one of your favorite players on the team. I, I got to stop saying that. Because it, it's not it's not a good joke and it's it's not in good taste. But Dion Colsey, a guy you've been critical of, um, you know, you've said I want to say that you didn't think he'd play for Notre Dame this fall. Do I recall that correctly, Mike? When when he got nicked up, 
it, we're going back to 2023 season. He got nicked up. I said more than once, I'm like, I don't think we'll ever see him play again. And I'm, I'm still kind of standing by it. Okay. And it's just like, it's in a weird, Mike, like in this weird role, this podcasting media role that I'm in. It's like, I feel more comfortable being more critical of older players than you would be a younger player. Right. I think that's fair. But I go back and Tim Hyde and I talked about this going back to Dion's high school film. And this sounds crazy, but it just, he didn't seem like a kid to me that loved football. And that came through the screen to me and you could, I don't care. That's just what I saw. And I remember talking to Tim about that and he was just kind of a run underneath it, catch run and catch it guy. Um, so yeah, I, it's either like this spring, it's like, again, same similar story with pain, what have you. It's like there's talent coming in behind you. You know, you couldn't fight through whatever injury you had. He's just a, he's like a, he's a guy to me that's going to use that degree, you know, put it on his LinkedIn profile, played football at Notre Dame, now going to business or whatever. And I wish him all the luck in the world, but I've just never really been impressed with the kid. So, you know, it feels icky to even say that, but I mean, just, I never saw the tempo in the high school film and when the, you know, the in-game action in, in college, like I just never saw the drive that you would see with a freaking uh, great house, or you would see with a Rico Flores, you, you know, Jaden Thomas, that kind of level of compete. I never saw it. And then as the talent stacks up behind him, I don't think you can learn how to compete overnight. I think that's something that's in your DNA. And I don't think that that's something you can coach. And beyond that, if you don't have it, your coach themselves is going to move on. Find me somebody else that wants to play. Notre Dame fans, if you have not done so yet, please hit the thumbs up on this video. Subscribe to our YouTube channel for more content. Blueandgold.com is your home for Notre Dame football and recruiting coverage. Our offer for you guys is that $1 for two months deal when you use that promo code UND1. So please do check that out over at blueandgold.com. The next guy, Mike, is uh, someone who... Um, I know you know pretty well, uh, having played with his dad, um, and he is from more of your neck of the woods. That's Eli Raritan, uh, who's in a uh, Des Moines, Iowa, from Des Moines, Iowa uh, Valley High School. Listen at six seven, two hundred forty eight pounds. Um, you know, ACL uh, injury as a senior basketball, which kind of delayed his season, and then Mike, it's it can be trouble for me try to remember all the injuries and whatnot but then he got hurt again right sophomore year so yeah he should be healthy knock on wood going into a big junior season yes and this is the the prior names we talked about was kind of like a glass half half empty type scenario singer with eli it's glass half full beyond that all of our favorite football movie the program it's like the plate is at the table, dude. You know, Eli's running around putting his head through car windows. Like the plate is at the table. Mitch Evans had a hell of a year. You know, he got nicked up with a knee and it's just like, dude, everything you hear about his testing numbers, like his 10 yard dash is like a one, four something. And for a kid, his size, it's like almost defies like physics, how fast he is with like his, his 40 and his in particular his 10, which is dick about explosive he is, but the plate at the table, man, 
and, he, and you know the kids that are behind him, the healthier kids that behind are behind him. With Holden stays transferring out, um, all those other guys behind him are smaller. You know, they're that six three ish range. You know, they're going to be probably a little bit better, like intermediate kind of route runners. Whereas Eli can really go up and get the ball. He can really stretch the field. Do you have something to say, Mike? Uh, not not right now. I will when you're done. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I mean, Eli's just a kid I'm, I'm super excited excited about. Um, and like just the arrows pointing up and he's like next in line. Next yeah. in line. As much as my wife makes fun of me for this, um, a big thing that I love about this line of work is just like that eyeball test when you see the kids. And I know you love this too, Mike. Oh, yeah. I remember meeting Deuce Knight at his high school uh, a couple weeks after he committed. And I was just stunned. I was like, how just like just big people like you can be tall but then there's just like oh you're you're a large you got this big frame you're wide all those kind of things shake deuce knight's hand i'm like oh my gosh like you can palm two basketballs like you know with, with, with just one hand like just a monster dude eli that you know he when i met him for the first time going into his senior season um that was like one of those woes like he's just different he's built different as the kids say man so I was at a uh, – I had the same – Mike, I had the same – Is that a camp, reaction. right? You saw him at a was camp? Like, it was something? like a workout camp yeah. showcase thing or whatever, and he was in town, and I was talking to his dad. And his dad's a big guy. His dad's probably six seven. His dad was a tackle. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I'm looking over here or whatever, and then here comes Eli, and he introduces me to Eli. And I was like, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> I was like – and I'm 6'4", like 260 pounds. Like, I'm a big guy in my own right. And meeting Eli for the first time, it was like, dare I say, intimidating. Yeah. He's huge. And, like, when you're talking about the eyeball test, the frame, the hand size, all that stuff, what you're basically talking about, Singer, is those are NFL guys. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not overly muscle-bound. You know, they're not, like, jacked or whatever. They're just huge people. They carry and they carry the weight like, oh, you look at Eli and you're like, damn, he's 250 and he looks like he's 225, right? But yeah, yeah. Eli is um man, I mean he could be really good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. The make or break, like this is the ability to make and be like a really special player in a special season. So I like that, Mike. Yep. I think we're kind of throwing this young man in the same category, and it's Emil Wagner. Um, oh, sure. from Wayne High School, of course, the same high school that produced Mike Mickens and Notre and uh, Marcus Freeman. Now, if Notre Dame just kind of goes with what they had in the bowl game, you can have Tosh Baker and Charles Jagasaw as your starting tackles. What does that mean for Emil Wagner? Would he slide inside? Would you know being on the interior help him more? Um, you know. Can he put on more weight? Like this is this is a huge season for Emil Wagner. It's like, all right, you're not the young guy. You're not, you're not really the the guy right now. Where it's like, all right, you still got time to put on mass. Like this is this is year three. Yeah, yeah. And I, I it's I've talked about this quite a bit. Like when you're going through this as a player, dude, especially like as a highly recruited kid, which he was. It's like. You there, there comes a time, and I had that conversation with my strength coach Mickey Murati, who's now at Ohio State. Love the man. 
And I was like, dude, I got to start. And he was like, okay, bet. And then he just rode my ass, you know, that, that winter conditioning and that just pushed me, pushed me, pushed me. And like basically made me put my money where my mouth was. And that's where Emil and Emil Wagner's at. It's like, you, you mean to tell me, Emil, you can't put on 10 more pounds? Like, it's just impossible. If you would you know, hang out with of, me, man, uh, it's easy for how me to do, dude. I mean, yeah. I mean, if we're older, so it's a lot easier to put on the weight. <laughs> but it's like, but then you sit there and go, is that a Lauren Landau deal where it's like, you know, do you let a player like that skip every other quote unquote conditioning session, running session, so he's not burning those excess calories? I don't know. Is it a vanity thing where you don't want to have a little bit of a pooch belly because you, you still want to be able to fit in a certain size? I don't know what's going on, but it's like, brother, put the weight on. He's, you know, he's an NFL in terms of his movement skills. I mean, he's an NFL tackle. Length, movement. I was a little surprised to see Jagasaw starting at tackle. I did say that he would start as a freshman, and he did. But I think there's going to be a lot of retooling and shuffling at that offensive line. There's a lot of talented kids there. Um, and what spot are they going to be, you know, the best fit at? Time will tell. But Emil Wagner, winter conditioning, getting up to 295, 300. It's like it's time. It's time. Yeah. yeah. If it is Jagasaw and Baker at tackle, would you would you think if, if Wagner gets up to 295, 300, he can slide inside? Sure. Okay. Sure. Yeah, that athleticism, dude. Him pulling. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it comes down to where, in a, where it's a different offense, it's a different scheme, you know. So it's like, are you is is Denbrock going to look at all the tools at his disposal and sure. offensive line? I mean, those are tools. We think of tools, we think of toys, we think of backs, receivers, etc. It's like, what are their skill sets? What are their strengths? You sure. know, is Emil going to be? He's a incredibly athletic puller out in space. Versus, do we want him? running duo all day long, leaning on people, right? Uh, but just another super talented kid, very heavily recruited, highly rated, deservedly so. It's like, bro, you've had two years plus to put on 25, 30 pounds. It's like, make it happen. Other kids do it all day, every day, all over the country. Yep. Yeah. Speaking of highly rated and uh, highly recruited, that was Rocco Spindler back in the 2021 class. Yeah, he's headed into his senior year at Notre Dame, fourth season, 6'5", 319 pounds. Uh, yeah, I mean, he was one of those, Mike, where when he was when he signed with Notre Dame back in that 21 cycle, it was, uh, you know, he, he was like the beloved recruit in that class. And they're, I mean, among a few, you know, that was the same class with Buckner and Fisher and uh, this guy Alt. Um, but. Yeah, hasn't, you know, he got injured, um, but, you know, jury is still out. Would you agree with that, Mike? Not necessarily. I mean, you know how my thoughts on Rocco. I mean, I was I was never – when you look at his recruitment, this is the interesting thing where it's like recruiting for a lot of these kids, recruiting in and of itself can be like a star maker for these kids, whereas like Rocco – was a kid that I think always loved Notre Dame, but he uh, he also loved recruiting. He liked the attention. We kidded about it. We were like half kidding, half joking. You know, he looks the part. I mean, he looks like a big, tough, badass dude. You know, his dad played, I think, in the NFL for a little mm -hmm. bit. 
Uh, but I just never saw the foot speed with him. And then I never saw like when you really got into that high school film, I never saw the dominance, you know, as, especially as because he is one of the bigger offensive linemen that we have thickly built, big, thick ankles, which isn't indicative of athleticism. It's actually like a, a bad thing, but I just never saw him really moving people. Um, so this is this is going to be a year for him where it's like, you know, get back healthy. We'll see how it shakes out. We'll see how it shakes out with Rocco. Um, you know, Owen Strebig is another one of those kids. I think Owen Strebig loves, we're talking about, I think Owen Strebig loves Notre Dame, but he also loves recruiting. It's like, you know, it's not that it's a red flag for me, but I don't want my offensive lineman to be enamored with the recruiting process. Give me a Charles Jagasaw. Dude. Give me a Gerby Lambert, dude. They don't, they don't tweet. They don't post videos. They don't do interviews. They're just, that's what we want. I agree. It's not like a red flag, like, oh, this guy can't do well. Blake sure. Fisher was a big – he committed to Notre Dame very, very early, but he also loved, you know, kind of the, 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 the different attention and whatnot on social media. But I do prefer my offensive linemen to – again, it's not a bad thing. It's just a preference thing. I, I just – I like them to be uh, – Can we – Can we Six, six can... tweets a year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's let's just let's just let's spend three minutes talking about this. There is something, and I went through this. There is something to everybody and their mother, every recruiting publication, every college coach, your high school teammates, every, your community, everybody just putting you on a pedestal as a 16, 17 year old young man. Like, you know, uh, it's like if you reference like a Blake. Fisher, super highly recruited, five-star kid, enjoyed the process, liked the attention. Did he ever get any better at Notre Dame? You know, the, the one thing was like he lost a bunch of weight to try to make his foot. I don't know if he ever got better. Whereas like you look at, you know, his counterpart, Joe Alt, just got better and better and better. So I guess what the contention I'm making, like as these five-star kids – they get so much attention that maybe it, it they don't think that they like have to get better. Like I'm the shit I've already arrived. I do think that there's an element case by case, but there's an element to that. Like when you said Blake Fisher loved recruiting, I'm like, I don't think he ever got any better started as a true freshman. I just don't think he ever really got better. Anyway. Interesting. Give me 30 seconds, Mike. If season started today. Oh God, here we go. What would you want as the offensive line? I I knew I feel like I knew you did. Do I have to say which position or can I just say which names? Just two tackles, two guards in the center. You don't need to give me sides of the ball. I'd like to see Wagner at tackle. Okay. I'd like to see Jagasaw. Let me just work on yeah, yeah. Romeo yeah. Michelle post-it note here. All right, Jagasaw, tackle. Excuse me, guard. Guard, yep, Wagner tackle. Wagner tackle. Shrouth guard. Shrouth guard. Craig center. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Craig. Yeah, that's all that's a that's a done deal. Craig center. So we got another tackle. I'm okay with Baker being your tackle. I'm okay with it. Um yeah. I was going through these names last night. You got Rocco is kind of in the mix potentially as a guard. Uh, what's his face? Kristopic left the program. But that, yeah. that to me, 
if you had, to me, if you had Craig at center, Jagasaw at a guard, uh, Shrouth at a guard, Baker as a tackle, and um, Wagner as a tackle, I like it. Yeah. It's been a starter for us before. You know, it's young, but it's good. Yeah. Well, dude. Give it to give me, me the Mike. biggest, give me the biggest, best athletes as possible at the offensive line and then figure it out. And then again, you've got a mobile quarterback. So if there are a few quote unquote busts, et cetera, we can work around it. Okay. Okay. All right. We're going to continue on. Uh, Mr. Goolsby, uh, Tyson Ford uh, heading into his junior season at Notre Dame. What are you thinking about him right now? I'm frustrated with Tyson Ford, man. You know, there's – I love the high school film. It was pretty clear to me that he was going to be a three technique. I, re, I can remember watching the Kansas City Chiefs last night. My comp, my fun comp, as I do, was um, Chris Jones. Mm-hmm. You know, the all-pro, like, three technique, just the, the size, like the power – but he's gone back and forth, and I think Tyson wants to play big end. And it's just like, buddy, like we've seen this movie before with Riley Mills. It's just like let nature take its course. Let yourself get, get kicked down inside, especially with Rubio now having left the program. Brother, go play three technique. That's where your future is. Take your ego out of it. I know you want to be this like crazy athletic defensive end. That ain't you. Go play three technique and go dominate. Let yourself put on the extra 10, 20 pounds and go go dominate. You know? Yeah. yeah. I've I've said I've given the story before, but I remember uh, my best buddy in high school, he was a two-way lineman. He was a guard and a defensive tackle. He so badly wanted to be a tackle and a defensive end. He, the, the, those guys often, when you're kind of a tweener, between a guard or a tackle or a defensive end or a defensive tackle, the guys always want to play on the outside. It's just the sexier position. So I feel like yeah. that might be kind of Tyson Ford. Like you want to be the pass rusher. You want to be the guy getting the sex. You don't like being the guy getting double teamed all the time. You want yeah. to be, you want to be stuffing the stat sheets with, you know, pressures and whatnot. So. And that's, I mean, that's, that's a scenario that could lead to, you know, that could lead to a transfer. He was a highly recruited kids kid. And it's just like, dude, if everybody, if everybody sees and says the same thing that you're a three technique and you're the only one in your universe, maybe your parents or whomever think you can go play. end. it's like, you gotta, this is again, guys that have been in the program for a couple of years, you kind of have to do some soul searching, look in the mirror. I still think he has all the potential in the world, but just really embrace being a three technique. I mean, you can get sacks, you can rush the passer as a three technique as well. And I think that Riley Mills is, um, you know, an interesting case study. It's like last year, dude, whatever, you know, his fourth, fifth year in the program, he finally submits and goes and plays three tech like consistently, you know, and then now this will be a second year specifically at that position. So, yeah, Tyson, go play three technique and have a kick ass spring, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the youngest guy on this list, I believe, Adon Schuler, uh, being a, a, a sophomore going into sophomore season at Notre Dame. Oh, yeah. I'm thinking make or break here. This is just kind of a really good opportunity for a safety to emerge next to Xavier Watts. Is that kind of where you're thinking for him? Yeah, well, that and yes. And you brought in some of these transfers, like the Northwestern kid, um, you know, 
Clark's Clark's son, the Arizona State kid's gonna play nickel. Um, it's just like, yeah, I mean, Adon looks the part, physically a super impressive kid, and it's just like, don't let any of these transfers take your job. That's that's my whole thing. It's more of a challenge. It's not like, oh, make or break. You know, you're running out of time, Adon, but yeah. just like rise to the occasion this spring because I'm not blown away by any of these any of these. Uh, secondary transfer guys. I'm, I'm frankly, I'm not. Okay. So, uh, and that's just the thing where it's like you're not that you're calling a Don Shula out, but just man, go take take advantage of this spring. Okay. Well, and then uh, wrapping up, saving one of the best for last, Mike, Jalen Sneed. Yeah, dude. On three five star recruit. Well, actually, think he ended up as the number thirty three overall player. It's a different discussion for a different day. We can talk about rankings. I'm sure. Soon enough, Mike, if I just want to get myself worked up. But anyways, Jalen Sneed. Going into his I just wrote, season, Mike, what do you think? I just wrote down enigmatic. I mean, he is an enigma. I mean, freaky, 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 talented, can do so many things. You would never imagine a kid his size could be the pass rusher that he's developed into. But if we're going to stick with this trend of only playing two linebackers and everything's our base is out of a nickel – and I still hold out hope that there's going to be a 3-3-5. Three, three, there's way too many linebackers on the roster for 10 of these kids to be competing for two spots. It just doesn't, again, compute to me. But, yeah, this is your spring, Jalen. I mean, Marist is gone. You're going to get the reps. It's like, you know, go slide in as as, as a will um, and just show those coaches enough during spring in terms of being assignment correct that they can start to build trust with you. Because if if – you're three years into the program guy. And it's like, if you don't, if it doesn't click by now, like not that they're going to move on from you or whatever, you're going to ride the bench, but it's like, you will be just kind of relegated to that pass rusher um, gadget guy into the, into the future. And it's not to say that you're not going to have a hell of an NFL career or whatever, but it's like, man, what an opportunity for you this spring you know, if I'm him, dude, like, I'm spending a lot of time with Jack Kaiser. You know, if I'm if I'm Coach Burrow, Max Burrow, the linebacker coach, I'm asking Jack Kaiser to spend a lot of time with Jalen Sneed, and just in terms of getting extra work, getting caught up in terms of understanding the playbook. But yeah, man, this is a big, big spring for Jalen Sneed. Uh, reading the YouTube chat, uh, when we were discussing the offensive line, Mike, we didn't bring up Pat Coogan. He could be another one who easily is a is a starter. He's mid. I'd say he's mid. He was, you know, he's Notre Dame will have like two or three guys on the offensive line go to the league and have fruitful careers in the NFL. But there's always like that offensive line always is like spotted with just a guy, you know, like Christophic has been a starter. He's just a guy. Tosh Baker can start to a degree. He's just a guy. And I mean, Coogan's a Chicago Catholic kid, like a Catholic league kid. I'm rooting for him. But to me, there's elements there of him just being a guy in terms of like, there's not that ceiling that a Jagasaw, a Wagner, et cetera, has you with me on that. So sure. sure he can be a starter. I'm not going to lose sleep over it. But in terms of having like a dominant unit, um, I'd be okay if he was a backup. Five minutes wrapping up, Mike. What else is on your mind? What else do you want to talk about? Oh, let me look at my note. 
you know, there's an interesting thing here um, about Freeman's recruiting. And because I was just, I spent some time just looking down that online roster, the heights and weights listed. And it's like, I love a lot of the recruits and they are getting better and better and better. And I truly mean that. Hook me up to a lie detector test. Like, I like the prior year's class. I like this year's class more. I look at the 2025 class. I like it more than the 2024 class. These guys are twitchy. They're long, but some of them are small. Like they're small weight wise. And when we talk about the introduction of Lauren Landau having to work with this large of a group of young men, and he's kind of a performance oriented guy, think old school, like plyometrics, you know, for like a lay person, what is Landau going to do? to get the weight up on some of these kids, you know? So it's like, we love the way that the movement skills, we love the explosiveness, but like Logan Thomas, bro, he's listed at 197 pounds as a defensive end. You know, it's like, oh, I love the get off and I love his ability to run, but like get real, you know, you're sub 200 pounds. So that's just an interesting thing for me to watch. We love Freeman and team, we love their ability to um, assess talent, to project talent. We're like, oh, we're some of these lower ranked. I love the way that his skill set translates. But that kid's a three star. Love the movement, love the explosiveness, et cetera. He's not a four star, five star because he's 20 pounds lighter than he ought to be. So how does that play out in the future? That's just something that I'm interested in, in, in taking a look at and kind of watching that play out in that whole conversation surrounding coach Landau in his first off season with this group. It's just, it should be fun. Unless you've got any other super chats or questions that popped out to you. I'm in no rush. The the last thing uh, that I wanted to ask you about, Mike, just looking at your notes, just your note on the identity of the team. What were you thinking about with that topic? Yeah. Well, I think the identity slash, like who's the leaders now, and that's a big off-season thing. I don't really have the answer, but it's like, you know, Freeman wanted to basically build the program around line play, both offensive and defensive. Like, is that still the case? You know, so if it's that's the case, like we just went over that O-line room. Like who in that room is going to assert themselves as an alpha dominant type you know, you're losing a lot of leadership on defense, you know, and I, I basically I'm pointing at JD Bertrand, you know, just kind of the get you, get you lined up guy. Um, new strength coach, new offensive coordinator. That's just something to keep tabs on. It's like, who does this team want to be? And um, how does that off season program? Like, does it, when you, when you shake it out, you know, who are the leaders in, in, in the building? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, when I think back to like that Kyron Williams team, yeah, right. The the Kyron Williams, you know, the, the year he ran that ninety one yard touchdown, I think it was against North Carolina. Like that team was not very, you know, explosive throwing the football down the field. Twenty twenty one, right? Who would have been the quarterback that season? I'm, I'm honestly asking. No, it would have been, been the Cone. Cone. Whatever, but like Kyron Williams was like the heartbeat of that team. Like that, it was like we're running the football. Right, we're play action like Mayor Kyron, like, but this past season, I'm just thinking about the identity of the offense. I should say, like, I don't know, yeah, 
don't know. But we tend, yeah, we tend to look at. I mean, I thought Mitch Evans had a little bit of shit to him in terms of like his leadership. I mean, you know, Joe Wall, as great of a player as he is, I mean, he's still young. You always looked at Joe Wall as like a young kid. Maybe it's because I don't know yeah. if he's, I don't know if he's shaving yet. He's going to be worth fifty million in a few months. Here, I don't even know if he shaves. He forget the Gillette sponsor deal for Joe Wall, but. Yeah, that's just that's the conversation. It's like, okay. you know, can a Sneed, who's a super energetic guy bouncing off the walls, like, does his identity get infused into the defense? You know, like a Mickey, you know, Xavier Watts is a super quiet dude. You know, you're going to look yeah. at Xavier to be a leader, but not to say that he's a poor leader, but he won't be necessarily a, a boisterous, vocal, motivator, rah rah guy, right? He's okay. dependable in that way. Mills, Cross, are they like super vocal? You know, so the identity of the team reflects leadership and vice versa. So it's just all of this stuff is getting played out at 530 in the morning on these, the you know, these early morning workouts and stuff. All of that's getting, it's going to kind of play itself out. It's just some, just something I think about and not, not something that necessarily worries me, Mike, but just something to think about something to consider okay all right mr ghouls we, we are gonna wrap it up right there folks if you have not done so yet as we just hit the hour mark hit the thumbs up on this video of course subscribe to our channel for more content mike we'll have to talk soon about the cadence for for our off-season shows with you because we gotta if we just say i oh, will do them and we do them you know it can be tough for me to stay on track so it's all good. I'm always around, man. We'll have to do it maybe every other week or so. Um, That's what I, I'd, I'd shoot for that. And then, I mean, we're inching like closer and closer to spring, you Be know, with the Patreon out. thing. Like we're trying to do, I'm trying to build a lot of momentum, bring a lot of former players, they're bringing a lot of former players back, get some interviews and all that. So, yeah. um, I do, we'll ramp stuff up as we get closer and closer yeah. to spring ball. Yeah. So definitely check out Goolsby's Patreon for more of that, like um, the, the former player <laughs> stuff. I do want to get the one former player on this show that me and you were talking about when I was in San Antonio, Mike. I'm sure you remember that. I don't want to say the name just in case it doesn't happen, but we I, I really want to get him on the show um, just because that was such a unique experience with me meeting him for the first time and not really knowing his background and and all that good stuff. So, uh, we'll, we'll, no, we'll, and that we'll, that that scenario was something that happened organically. Yeah, you know, you kind of bumped into the guy and. That tends to be the best stuff. It's stuff was, that just hops hops up organically. So yeah, really, really good story that I'm. I, I hope that we'll be able to share. So, anyways, uh, that's gonna put it there, folks. Uh, again, please hit the thumbs up, subscribe to the channel if you're not if you have not done so yet. Uh, follow Mike on Twitter at mikegoolsb41. Check out his Patreons and his uh, link in his Twitter bio. Blueandgold.com is uh, your home for for Notre Dame football coverage and on the recruiting side as well, folks. So again, really appreciate you for tuning in. Uh, And as always, we will catch you next time.